0: Good morning, good evening, depending on what time you are listening to this. My name is Jordan McDuff. I'm the chaplain for the Bloomington, Illinois chapter of the Christian Motorcycle Association. And uh, today is January 2nd, 2023. And uh, this is the Bible study that we are teaching. I just thought that I put it out there um, for people that can't make it tonight um, at the local Dairy Queen. I just hope that uh, we could all do this together. So I just thought that I would read through this. Um, Bible study real quick and just Read my notes essentially I will link The notes down below um, Because it's all Public everything is so I Hope that this finds you well and Today's topic is we are Changed sinners but we Are unchanged I will preach As though I will never preach again I will tell you things that You will misunderstand I will tell you things that make you so Angry with me and I will tell you things that you will deny. I will tell you things and you will say that I have no right to tell you what I am telling you. But before you come to any conclusion about what is being said here, you should think about something. Preaching is a very dangerous thing. It's a very dangerous thing for me. Because the Bible says that false teachers will undergo greater condemnation. If what I tell you today is not true, then I am in a great deal of trouble because I have every right to do this with fear and trembling, because I will stand condemned before God. But what I, but if what I tell you today is true, and you don't believe it, then you are the one with the cause to fear. That's a quote from Paul Washer. Now, the Christian Motorcycle Association is an interdenominational and evangelistic in nature. We believe in the following. The Bible is the inspired, infallible Word of God. One God, eternally existent in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The virgin birth and the deity of Christ, His explicit atoning of death, bodily resurrection, and ascension. Salvation through the blood of Jesus Christ, the sanctifying power of the Holy Spirit who enables a believer to live holy, and the second coming of Jesus Christ. These are the things that we believe as a Christian Motorcycle Association. When you were a member of the Christian Motorcycle Association, these are the things that you believe, and you are signing your name to. Now, on to the lesson. For the intentions of man's heart is evil from his youth. Genesis eight, twenty-one. For I was born a sinner, yes, from the very moment my mother conceived me, but you desire honesty from the womb, teaching me wisdom even there. Psalms fifty one, five through six. Because of our sinful nature, the Bible is naturally opposed to our nature. As Paul says it, there is nothing good in me. This is not metaphorical or emotional, this is literal. The Bible is the most offensive book in the world because it is the ultimate truth. And when beginning as a chaplain and being called to read the word of God, we will need to embrace the alignment of the word of God to us, not our values to the Bible. If there is ever an unalignment, we are quick to fix it in our motorcycle wheels, but we are quick to but are we quick to embrace the moral standards of the Word of God and align them to us? We are ultimately divided at this time because people look at Christians and see our absolute morality. They belittle and try to change what we believe. But why? Why is it that we cannot believe what we believe and be left alone? while islamic cultures middle east religions and hindu and indian cultures are revered for their marginalized status it is because christ is real the bible is real god is real and everything in the bible is absolutely correct they are trying to have a they are trying to have the benefit without the change they want heaven but not the sanctification they want salvation without humility they want godliness without looking to god this is where presuppositionalism comes into play. I know it's a mouthful of a word, but this word means that every single person on this earth, saved or not, knows in his true heart where he came from and knows that there is a creator. This is found biblically in Romans one nineteen. It is essentially just a word to summarize this verse. Romans one nineteen. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. His invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been so clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and his things have been made, so they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God, or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools, in exchange for the glory of the immor- in the in exchange for the glory of the immortal God, for the images resembling mortal man, and the birds and animals and creeping things. This is Romans one nineteen ESV. They want to change the Bible and make us conform because we have the truth, the truth of salvation, the truth of heaven, the truth of sanctification. These are benefits, and in their hearts, they know it is the truth, But they cannot let themselves go. They cannot let go of themselves to reap the benefit of what we have. If you love your life, you will lose it. But if you lose it, you will gain it. This is John 12, 25. So in order for you to gain the benefit, the truth of salvation, the truth of heaven, the truth of sanctification, you have to lose your life. But you gain eternal life in the process. So when we die... We are not really dead. Our eternal life will continue. Rendering this time on earth, extending it, essentially. Extending our perspective. But it is merely God's perspective. The truth of a relationship with God is so offensive to the natural sinful nature that it can do nothing but move the goalposts and shift the perspective. And with that comes ridicule, slander, and frankly bigotry. You just say biblical truths, And people come at it, they say, oh, that's just, old. that's disgusting, that's ridiculous. And they even say that it's immoral. But we are unchanged. We don't move. They do. It's like driving down the road on cruise control and someone getting mad at you because you're going the speed limit. But then they race past you. But then, for whatever reason, they slow down and you end up passing them. And then they get mad at you for going slow again. And it's like, you're the one changing, not me. I'm staying the same. I'm staying the speed limit. I've got it set. Keep in mind that we shouldn't be surprised when sinners sin. We should be alerted when sinners do not sin. The Bible says that you will know them by their fruit. And most of the time, the fruit is rotten. And rotten fruit tends to rot other fruits too. But when there's a glimpse of a moment of goodness, godliness even, We have to see two things. One, the good that all of us have does not come from within us, because we are inherently sinful. That is found in the Genesis verse that I read at the beginning and Psalms 51. The good comes out of us only, comes from God alone, in the law that is written on our hearts. Hebrews 8.10 for this is the covenant that I will make with those in the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my laws into their minds and write them on their hearts, and they, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Hebrews 8.10 Some will say that humans are inherently good, but this has been fleshed out and has been disproven for more than 1,600 years. From the Pelagian heresies in 411 AD, most people are not familiar with the concept, but essentially if you believe that all people are inherently good by default, which is the opposite of the Bible's view, then you are a Pelagian. I used to be a Pelagian, at least a light Pelagian, and obviously this comes standard with basic charismatic styles of preaching. They don't call it Pelagianism, but they teach it, and it's all over pop culture. Eventually, Pelagius was exiled from Jerusalem and Rome in 1418, and yes, this argument is literally that old. Not 1418, 418. That was my mistake. This argument is really that old, 1600 years. And the humor of Pelagians is actually the opposite of modern-day Pelagians, which is the fact that pelagius was merely annoyed the christians at the time were using their sinful nature as an excuse for doing sin well i'm a sinner what could you expect and you know that's what god's grace is there for but that's not biblical either in pelagius was actually kind of rooted in the bible um but the thing is that modern day we think the redemption happens by choice that we are the ones that can essentially continue to stop sinning and continue to do our job and all. We can just continue to live life and, I, well, I'm not sinning right now, so I can just go on not sinning for the rest of my life. This is a heresy. This is not true. In which Pelagius was annoyed at the Christians at the time because they were using their sinful nature as an excuse for not doing sin, um, we were called the sanctification we are not to cheapen God's grace by continuing our sins without repenting. As opposed to today's Pelagians' perspective, which say that people are inherently good, or are in some way redeemed by default. This is not true. And is directly contrary to the Bible, which is our foundation. Let me read you a couple verses here. First John 3:6. No one abides in God and keeps on sinning. No one keeps on sinning has either known God or seen God. Whoever says, I know God, but does not keep his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not within him. As 1 John 2.4. For if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains sacrifice for sins, but a fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. Hebrews 10.26-27. The reason why I bring all of this to you today is for a few reasons. One, we need to get used to taking a side. Morally, we need to get out of this great abyss of complacency, where, there, where we are trying to be careful about people's feelings, which is noble and nice and actually a biblical thing to do. However, on the other side, we are talking among ourselves we should be engaging in absolutes. This kind of huddle mentality, where we talk explicitly within our huddle to clarify terms and extend plans and understandings, but when we are in the field, we are slow to reveal our plans. we are talking to non-Christians, we cannot expect them to understand or to be jolted out of their perspective and slip into our moral code very quickly. But while we are together as Christians, we need to get used to speaking about multiple sided topics and fleshing them out. And this takes time, patience, and maturity from everyone. And we need to remember that these things are typically at their core on emotional conversations that have a tendency to root themselves in emotional sources. I'm getting everyone used to my teaching styles and methods and my general way of expressing my knowledge. I am classically trained in evolutionary apologetics and systematic theology, and I love to answer questions regarding Christianity. This is my favorite subject, and I want to share this knowledge because we are, at our core, an evangelistic ministry. What we do know, what do we know about evangelism? What do we know about salvation? When does it happen? When are our people condemned to hell? do we even believe in a hell? What misconceptions about the Bible do we have? Do we believe the Bible is an absolute? Is there anyone in our group who is struggling with sin and should, in wisdom, take a break from evangelizing and work on themselves? There are important pieces of our ministry, and we have a question that comes up every single chapter. Where is God in our chapter? And this is the most important piece of our ministry that will help us answer that longing question that we have every single chapter meeting. We have something that is not ours to give away, but we have been commanded to reach out and to tell the world about Christ because faith comes by hearing. Salvation only comes from God alone, and through His sovereignty, He will give us the ones whom He has chosen for salvation. Thank God we get to be a part of that story, and we should be in prayer daily for those who are lost and for God to humble us and be a part of someone else's salvation story. The topic of election is a deep one that I do not have time to go into, but it is an inescapable reality that is is biblically rooted. There is only one thing that I can tell you as an encouragement, is that there is nothing that you can do while evangelizing to pull someone out of God's hand. And I give you them, I give unto them eternal life. they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My father, which gave them me, is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my father's hand. John 10:28-29. This is an ultimate encouragement, because even if you do not know all of the answers, even if you do not understand something biblical, What matters is sticking to what you know and being honest with what you don't. Faith is not head knowledge, but a service and attitude. All we can do is plant a seed and let God do the watering, let God do the choosing. To close, I have two questions I'd like to ask. What is your one truth about Jesus Christ that calls you to Him? What is your one question that you've always wondered about the Christian faith? Reflect on these questions as you move along in the Word of God this year humble yourself to your lack of understanding and materialize questions that will make us all wiser and more biblically minded. There is no truth without God. P.S. I would like to add that the goals of CMA are to be an interdenominational ministry, and I merely represent one part of this interdenominational perspective. I was attracted to the position of chaplain because of the mission statement and the vision of CMA, mostly Because the Bible is the inspired and infallible Word of God. Of course, all the other things are great. And when I was listening in the training, I spent a lot of time reading and listening to these mission statements. And they're very important to me. And all of them are the perspective and the behalf. So when I begin to write or read or to speak on the behalf of my position in CMA... I write from this perspective and intend to continue to press into this vision for the production value of my position. I am happy to defend and debate every truth claim that I ever make and will be the first one to clarify when I am wrong about something. I will purposely hold my views loosely to account for correction. All that I ask is patience, understanding, and the biblical truth to speak for itself. All things in the Bible—I'm sorry, some things in the Bible are not salvific in nature— like the tribulation or the concept of election. These things, if you do not believe in them, it doesn't refute your um, Christianity, right? It's not salvific. These are the things that do change the perspective of a person delivering the Gospels. It's important to keep the debating and the deliberation on an extracurricular basis, i.e. in my comment section or in my emails or um, even call me if you have a problem, but not to distract, I do not want to distract from the ultimate goals of CMA events. But everything that I typically claim is very is rooted deeply in the Bible, and I'm very careful with every statement that I make. Although I am human and could be wrong, so allow for people to make mistakes and bring them to me with love and patience. This I'm going to end on this. Colossians 3.13 Make allowances for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, and so you must forgive others. Now, here's another quote. The truth is only as good as God is, and God is good all the time. Dei Shuvat, Jordan Scott McDuff. In the name of Jesus Christ, I say, Amen.